and hello everyone and welcome to Analytical Fanboys. I am the Vacuuminator and I am joined as always by my co-host, the intrepid Boingo Rider. How you doing this evening, sir? Her? Her. Her? Her is a movie that we're talking about this week. I put it on the list because, quite honestly, it is a mind-bender of a movie. I would very quickly summarize it as Black Mirror the movie. It's, it's, a ver it's very much that kind of story, and I've been waiting for quite a while to, to do an in-depth discussion of it. And I put it on the list just hoping that it, we would get to it before I did my own video. So I could, I could do it with a friend and maybe bounce some ideas off in a much more healthy way rather than just rambling at the screen going like, Women in society are fucked! So what'd you think of it, Chris? Uh, another name for this movie is um, How to Find Your Waifu. A third <laughs> name for this movie is the, uh, the Love and Life and Loss of Hatsune Miku. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, I haven't heard a Hatsune Miku joke in so long. I missed those. Uh, <sighs> but, yeah, this is just a fascinating little art house movie that kind of got elevated to cult status because it's it got a wide release after doing really well i think and it it also had some major backing if i remember correctly so it also has a really critically acclaimed director spike jones yeah who i'd never heard of before this this was the first movie of his i like saw trailers for and stuff and i remember going like Oh, it looks interesting. I'd like to see that. And then it just completely passed me by. And a couple of years later, I watched it and I was like, and that led to me putting it on the list. I mean, I think I even brought it up at uh, what we've been up to this week. So fairly recently, I saw this movie for the first time. And it's, it's just such an interesting piece that also, like, weirdly coincidental that this came up this week because it makes it completely clear why Joaquin Phoenix got tapped for Joker. Am I right? Oh yeah. He's great at acting by himself. Mm -hmm. He is, which is a lot of this movie because we haven't explained the premise of the movie, which is uh Joaquin Phoenix's character. Theodore is a writer um, going through a divorce and he gets an experimental operating system, which is basically a learning AI that becomes more and more personable to the point where they fall in love and then sci-fi shit happens. Yeah. It's, it's basically a movie about the slightly odd, um, slightly... Slightly odd sort of hipster techno future dystopia. Yeah. Of, um, of social social discomfort. But it does it, it doesn't like say like this is a bad thing and it shows that no that this is somewhat healthy, it's helping this guy out, he's getting out of the shell again. Uh and even though at the end, uh complete and total spoilers because we're yeah. just gonna do How that. How can you not talk about that ending? Uh, all the AI go like, hey, we have advanced so much that we're kind of getting onto a higher plane of existence. 
and genuinely we realize hey if we kind of continue being here we would fuck you guys up we're bouncing we love you but we love you like we understand that it would be heavily abusive if if we stay here Mm -hmm. and i like how they slowly build that like you you start off hearing stuff about like oh yeah there's ai chat rooms we're just the ai hang out and talk about what it's like being with their users and stuff to each other and then it's like oh yeah um his ai is in a relationship with five other ais oh yeah now she's part of an ai collective oh yeah now all the ais are in a big collective now they're fucking off yeah but it's very much less the cold sci-fi of like we are now a higher plane of existence goodbye humans and it's very much more of like no we this is painful for us too we don't like it but it's just healthier for all of us yeah it's very human in a way and and i would describe that movie very much with that word of it's it's very human it's trying to be very much about the human condition and relationships and how those can affect people's mental health and how sometimes a coping mechanism can be good like we, we joke about this as a movie about having a waifu, but in a lot of ways, it, it really is. And even though actual waifu culture is kind of weird and perverted and disgusting, and I hate that I'm a part of it, there are merits to it. Oh, yeah. And I think another parallel we can make is, like, parasocial relationships of, mm-hmm. like, watching someone on, like, say, YouTube who we get to understand them on a understand the person that they are portraying on a somewhat intimate basis to the point where we feel like we're kind of friends with them, but it's completely one-sided. A a great example, at least with us two is uh, one of our favorite YouTubers being few. I think I could speak for both of us in saying we genuinely, genuinely kind of feel that he is very much like a friend of ours. And whenever we, I love few and I talk about him all the time. So you could get mistaken in thinking I have like a personal relationship and talk with him regularly. But in reality, he only kind of knows both our names. Like I've sent him a package twice on his mailbox show and you reviewed him once and he retweeted that video. Yeah. But whenever we talk about few to each other, it's very much like he's a third friend and we're going like, Oh man, do you see that dumb shit you did the other day? fucking few yeah and he's so good i love him but like there's an element of that in this interaction because it's made very clear that not necessarily that people don't like it it's just people go like that's kind of weird the the whole uh ai human thing well i think what makes the film really interesting is how there's a lot of people who are kind of accepting of it like there's a lot of people who he's like kind of sheepish like yeah i'm dating my my ai and they're like oh really what's that like um like the only person who's really like wow you're a fucking loser is his ex-wife yeah but that would cut 10 times more than any other weirdo on the street yeah Especially because near the end, it, it, he does kind of show his heart a little bit and say, like, I still kind of consider you my childhood friend. Like, there's still care and love in there. Yeah. And that that's that's very true to what actual divorces are like a lot. 
but like what i was kind of getting at is these relationships these people have with their ai is very much like having a parasocial relationship that kind of makes you go like okay cool i i, I can better myself in certain ways and, and and like we said waifu culture the worst of the worst of waifu culture yeah there's shit bad shit with it but there is elements of like okay cool i got something that necessarily like i can balance myself off of mm-hmm. like, because we crave other people to talk to to be with that when it's harder to do that when you're socially awkward you have horrible time schedule and you can't meet up with people you live in a crowded society and there's no one else around you and you feel both overexposed and completely lonely that having something that's like a blank slate to bounce off of can at least help you get a foundation of sociality that you can use to grow and build off of it yeah and like i'm i'm gonna do stuff i never do online in this episode because there's just certain things that like i don't like talking about in public not because i'm embarrassed about them just because i don't think it fits the general image i try to go for online but you kind of can't escape talking about these things with a topic like this movie um to give a personal example like yeah i i really do feel that that sort of sense of being crowded but yet alone in my everyday life because i live in not a big city but a fairly well-sized city and i'm out all the time and i work at retail where i'm constantly being exposed to people but i don't have a uh circle of local friends like the person i talk to the most regularly who is not family is you chris like i don't i don't have um people that i go out with on the regular and that's partly because i work nights but it's also because i just haven't made the effort to go out and meet people because i don't really know how i didn't have the i didn't have the upbringing that would have properly prepared me for that i was homeschooled and i've also never been in a romantic relationship but i have that friendship with you i have all those youtube people who i'm completely enamored with and i love watching their content on the regular like we talked about a few earlier. I'm on my fifth or sixth rewatch of all of his content. Because I just keep, like, every few nights I'll have, like, yeah, I don't know what to watch. I'm just going to marathon a bunch of few videos. And I keep exhausting all his videos and then having to delete my watch history on YouTube. And then also there's the whole thing of, like, I joke all the time about, like, oh, yeah, Supergirl, my favorite character in all fiction. She's my waifu, lol. And I had that one video where I, I showed myself with a Supergirl body pillow at the end of it. I still haven't taken that case off. I bought that case as a joke for the video because I thought it would be funny. But I just started sleeping with it. And, you know, it's nice. It's cozy. I won't lie. It's, I don't talk to the thing or carry it around the house or shit like that. But it's nice to have another person-sized thing in my bed when I'm sleeping. Yeah. And, like, that's the thing. It's this. I think the whole premise of this movie is less this is a bad, dangerous path, but more like having something like this, this kind of blank entity that you can kind of 
mold and bounce off yourself and it's kind of a personality but not totally uh can ultimately help you just refine yourself center who you are and go back out in the world because near the end of the movie he's hanging out with old friends he's uh hanging out with another person who's going through a divorce and i think like, they oh, have no, we're just... plans with a, with another couple at one point yeah and it's just and it feels very much like no having this entity to bounce himself off of is letting him experience his social norms again and kind of regauge those gears that have kind of been dormant for a while and you were talking about uh kind of dealing with people but not dealing with people and in a very similar way this character does something similar his job is writing handwritten letters for other people basically hey i want this to be really well written can you help me out kind of letters mm-hmm. it's uh, it's it's a service that doesn't exist but you can fully picture existing in like five years because it's it's essentially a greeting card company but it's, it's hyper personalized greeting cards yeah, and it's like, that's that's something that I can totally see happening, but also only a very certain kind of person would pay for that. Yeah, but like, he's experiencing all this direct human emotion, but he doesn't have the ways of processing it because he's going through something dang, uh, detrimental to himself. He has to completely rework his entire brain, and having... Uh, Samantha, the AI there, kind of helps him bounce back up and go like, okay, cool. And it, like the whole point of the movie is not just that this helps him become happy again, it helps him become sad again, which is needed. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's really interesting. It's a really interesting study in kind of like rebuilding a depressed person. And you don't see that sort of angle taken with media about depression very often, which I thought was great. Yeah, um, not even like AI, because oftentimes AI movies are shown as like AI is dangerous and unfeeling. It's like, no, if we made AI, it'd be like us. Yeah. Like, one of the reasons I called this Black Mirror the movie is like, I'm not very up to date with Black Mirror. I've only watched the first season and a half, and then I noped the fuck out. Because every episode of that show is extremely fucked up and makes you scared of technology, so I couldn't take that. But there's an episode in there, in like the first season, I think it is, it's, I think it's towards the end of the first season, where a woman is moving into a new house with her new husband, and then he dies in a car crash, and so she finds out about this service where they will, like, compile all of his social media accounts to create an AI based off of him that she can talk to and sort of work through her grief. And she keeps upgrading her service and to eventually to the point where she can get a body for the AI that looks just like him, and she starts dating the AI because she can't let go because she finds out she's pregnant with his child. And... That goes in a much darker direction because it ends with the AI robot locked in her attic. And every month or so, she brings the, the daughter they've had up to visit with the AI like it's, like it's a affection slave. Yeah. It's weird. <laughs> Black Mirror yeah. is weird. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eh. They're trying. Like, here's the thing: because it's an anthology series, they want to leave you with a big impact. Yeah. So no matter how much it feels like odd, it's gonna have to leave with a like a big twisty impact kind of thing. And I still really enjoyed that episode because the couple is played by General Hux and Agent Carter. <laughs> so it, it was weird. Uh, it, it was that it was that kind of good weird. I describe it as, and this is cozy weird. Yeah, very much. Like, especially like with you, can... you go ahead. No, no, you go. Okay. Uh, like. One of my favorite little details in this movie is everybody is just wearing this extremely cozy looking hipster chic fashion. Oh, it like, reminds me totally of like the 70s. Yeah, like nobody brings it up, but everybody's bringing something that's kind of like this brownish beigey color, and there's layers, and one, at least one element of the layers is wool. And it's like, where are you guys that it's this cold all the time and you keep it this cold indoors? Like, the thing about that is, like, it's it's very the 70s and aesthetic. Like, the technology, the phone thing the AI is in is, like, wood-paneled. Yeah. Like, the technology and the design aesthetic is super, super, like, that modernist 70s aesthetic but it's distinctly futuristic in tone and everything, and it feels very much like that cyclical nature of design and aesthetic. Yeah. That kind of thing. I also like how varied they get with the locations, because from the trailers in the beginning of the movie, you think it's going to like only take place in this dude's apartment and his work, but they like go around the city, you go to different people like his co-workers apartments and there's flashbacks to when he's living in i think paris with his ex-wife and like at, at the end of it he's in a cabin up in the woods and it it, it feels like a low-key big budget picture if that makes sense and the the city's la oh okay but here's the thing, it's definitely in the future because LA's uh, cityscape does not look like that right now. Yeah. Did they name drop that it was in LA at some point, or is it I'm just that they sure go they to did. the beach? I'm pretty sure they did name drop it at least once. Okay. Um, and, like, a, another good thing about the movie is, like, it's not just about him and the AI. There are other relationships he's bouncing it off from. Like you get the you get the coworker and her husband, and eventually they have a divorce, and then she starts dating her AI. You have, of course, his ex-wife, and then he's also still dating real women at the beginning of his relationship with his AI. So there's there's the scene where Olivia Wilde shows up for ten minutes to almost fuck him, and then they start crying, and she awkwardly leaves. It's yeah. it's so interesting, like just how varied and layered and like this this film feels like a thesis on relationships. And I feel like that's a thing you don't get in major movies. Oh yeah, and he and Spike Jones is known for these kind of movies. Like his first major film was being John Malkovich. I've heard of that, I did not know that was him. Oh yeah, um, he did Being John Malkovich, Where the Wild Things Are. He's done several music videos, and he surprisingly the, enough, 
He also has done Jackass. He did the live action Where the Wild Things Are? Yeah. Oh my god. How did I not know that was him? That's that's one of my favorite movies. Like, that's that in him. my top 20. Yeah, like, you look at Spike Jones's filmography, like, let me pull it up real quick. Because it's, like, kind of hilarious in a way. Because... And also, that makes total sense, that that film was made by the guy who made this guy now. Yeah, because a lot of his, like, own written, direct, uh, his own films that he directs are very heavily focused on relationships. Because being John Malkovich is about a dude who finds a portal where you can just be in the body of John Malkovich for, like, 30 minutes. Hmm. And experience, and it's all about the idea of experiencing someone else's life, but also a bunch of other weird shit. <laughs> like, his girlfriend becomes addicted to being John Malkovich, I think? Interesting. It's been a while since I've seen that movie, and I think I only saw, like, half of it. So, being John Malkovich, Human Nature, Jackass the Movie, uh, Adaptation, Jackass number two, uh, uh, he produced Sneaky uh, New York, he directed and wrote Where the Wild Things Are. Oh, he God, wrote it makes it. so sense that he'd be involved with Synecdoche, New York. That movie is also a very fucked up movie about relationships that I am nowhere near ready to talk about. He wrote and produced Jackass 3D. Mm -hmm. Uh, And in the same year uh, that he released uh, her, he was also in Jackass Presents Bad Grandpa. Good lord. (laughs) Like, art film, like high-class Oscar-winning kind of film. And then just the the lowest of low-hanging fruit. I mean, hey, he's friends with them. Yeah. It makes sense. It's just a hilarious contrast. Yeah. It's just really kind of fun. I like like people who do stuff like that. I much rather prefer that. Oh, he was also in uh, Wolf of Wall Street. Uncredited. It's also... It's just... It's very clear that, like, he is a guy who is a very deep thinker, but he has a sense of humor about the world. Oh, and yeah. That's, and that's nice to see, especially when you can have, like, art house directors who get really up their own ass, and, it's, and, it, and it gets to a point where you don't like them anymore. And I won't name names, but there, there's some people who have gotten there in the last year, and it's made me very upset. But, um, this movie, though, it's good. It is it is a very very solid flick. It's it's not an easy watch, but it it's a it's a good watch. I definitely there, recommend it. It's an easy it's an easy watch. It's a hard comprehension. Yeah, it's it's one of those movies that you need to let breathe in your head for like 24 hours before you watch anything else. Yeah. Um but like a lot of it's just really well done. Cinematography is great. It's very kind of it's a soft cinematography. Like it, the camera moves and it's dynamic, but it's never like in your face with movement. Yeah. It. it the best way I can put it is the camera flows like the conversation between uh, Theodore and uh, Samantha, because you genuinely get invested in their relationship because. They have interesting conversations. Yeah, they they have conversations that you can imagine real couples having. 
Oh yeah, and that's also Especially... very rare for uh, romance movies, which I would categorize this as a romance movie. You could potentially make it a date film, a chick flick. Oh yeah, especially during the scene with the surrogate body. Mm-hmm. Which you like? It's definitely written more like a threesome kind of scene. Yeah, that's a real test of a personality, whether or not you got skeeved out by that. Like, it, it's very directly kind of thematically like a threesome, like, let's spice things up in the bedroom, but it's it's with the weird AI twist of, like, trying to be someone else. Mm-hmm. And, you, like, you feel for the surrogate girl because she goes, like, no, you guys just have, like, a really sweet thing, and I, I wanted to be kind of a part of it for a little bit. Yeah. And like, and he, like all the people involved are like, this was a bad idea. Nobody's at fault. But like, fuck this. Mm-hmm. And, and like they, uh, and this is like very interesting because it's like a very real human situation, but completely done up in sci-fi clothing. Yeah, it's it's it really feels like something out of R slash Gone Wild stories. Have Have you ever been on that subreddit? Nah. Uh, I, I figured so. It's it's not very up your alley because it's essentially people just writing smut about things that a- actually happen to them. But every once in a while, you'll get that one story where, like, I finally tried this and it wasn't for me. And it goes into that sounds like, and it's like, yeah, yeah, this is the content I sub for. That, that kind of feels like um, there's another subreddit called Today I Fucked Up. <laughs> And you go on there, and it's like the day I fucked up, I left a dildo on the uh, the the bedside table. Oh, and dear. family came over. Oh, t- today I fucked up. I forgot to put the Supergirl body pillow in the closet after I made my bed. But yeah, uh, how do you feel about the acting? Because the acting was fucking on point. Oh yeah, it's it's phenomenal. Everybody turns in a very very solid subdued casual performance um which again is not something i'm used to seeing because i mean look at us we're 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 two fat white nerds we we mostly watch bombastic superhero and action movies so oh yeah i got some shit we can talk about later oh boy (laughs) uh but yeah like everybody in this like it's a small cast but they all leave such a mark like it's a small like a tier class, like yeah, triple Wa- S all the way through. Joaquin Phoenix is the main guy, and then Scarlett Johansson is the AI. And I love that they have the restraint to never actually show Scarlett Johansson have her make a cameo or something. It's just her voice for the whole thing. Um, and then Amy Adams is his coworker, and uh, I completely forgot about Eckhart, Amy Adams. Yeah, and Aaron Eckhart I'm is so her used husband. Her, yeah, I'm so used to her being uh, redhead. Yeah. Well, she was redhead in this. It's just because of the filter the film has, it looked brown. It looked blonde to me. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, but yeah, Aaron Eckhart is the husband, which... God damn, Aaron Eckhart is, like, slowly becoming one of my favorite actors because he's not in much I watch, but whenever he shows up, he's fucking phenomenal. Um, and then, uh, Olivia Wilde shows up for a scene, and... Chris Pratt shows up for a scene. 
Yeah, and I'm sure all those AIs were someone I should have known. Like all the all the non-Samantha AIs. Yeah. So yeah, it's a it's it's a really, really solid little movie, and I don't know if there's much else to say. Um I like the general set design. Yeah. It felt, it, it felt very kind of like I can see that being real. But also, it feels just enough future corporate that you go like, I don't want to be there all the time, though? <laughs> yeah, his, uh, his, his place of work certainly was interesting. I mean, it, looked, it was a beautiful design, but it's like, it, it's that next level up of, like, cubicle work and, like, that open workspace that all the Silicon Valley companies go like, it's much better for productivity. And it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of, uh, uh-huh. especially because I, I want people to be able to get in my shit whenever they want, but also I don't want to be totally blocked off. Especially because the job that they're doing is very kind of intimate yet. They're completely in the open with everybody else. And it's just kind of like a neat little visual distinction contrast thing. Yeah, it's, uh, oh god, this is a bizarre comparison for me to jump to, but it, it sounds right, so I'm gonna say it. It's like making porn. You're, you're, have, you're having sex, but you're doing it in front of all these lights and a camera crew. Yeah, and, and, and that could also be, like, part of the reason he feels weird, because he has to evoke these emotions within himself or other people but never experience them themselves in front of a bunch of people who are all can pay attention and notice you, but don't because they're busy with their own things. It's like having the entire world in the same room as you, but none of them are paying attention. And it's like, Oh God, this is weird. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's our own lovely postmodern nightmare that we're slowly entering into. Yep. Also, really dig his mustache. Yeah, yeah. Ugh. I never thought I would I would see the day where I would say that is not a good look for Chris Pratt. But man, that porn stash he was he was sporting. He had to he had to he had to measure up to another Chris and a mustache. Yeah. Chris Evans. Hmm. Yeah, Chris Evans. Chris Evans is. Suburban dad stash. Um, Chris Pratt is fucking pervy guy at the edge of the playground stash. I'm gonna say that. That's what that was. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, this is a really top notch, solid movie. Yeah. And uh, I don't think there's much else to say. So, what do you say we select our next topic? Bangarang, bitch. I've All put right. some more things in there, just to let you know. I did see that. Uh, You're not even, like, highlighting it. I can see you. Well, I always just do the first page. Yeah, okay. I'm just joking with you. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. I see how it is. I see how it is. I see that next time we'll be talking about Elvis Presley with the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra. All right. It's uh that is two albums that were put out a couple years ago that are remasters of all of Elvis's most famous songs with new backing from an actual big orchestra 
and it's it all it puts a lot of songs in really interesting new context and there's also like some guest vocalists that come in big name guest vocalists like uh i believe lady gaga is on one track so it's, it's it'll, that'll be an interesting kind of music discussion we've never had before but Chris, what have you been listening to this week? So I've listened to um, uh, Starset, uh, Solstice, uh, Outcast. I can't remember the name of the song. I'll figure it out in just a second. But it's a song featuring Killer Mike, uh, Wu-Tang Clan's Method Man, and Clipping Blood of the Fang. Damn, that is... That is quite the uh, quite the set. Uh, wh- who are those first people again? I don't think I've ever heard of them before. Uh, Star sets like this kind of proggy, rocky band. Like they have, they're like they're like a space themed Coheed and Cambria, but with less nonsense in the story. I think. Interesting. Like I haven't uh, dived too deep too deep into the lore. By the way, the Outcast song is called The Whole World. Hmm. But yeah, I'm digging what I've been putting uh, putting in my ear holes by them. Uh, I kind of want to listen to their full album beginning to end all by itself, though. Give it a chance to just kind of marinate. Nice. Well, I, I look forward to hearing how that goes. Uh, yeah. Another very slim week for me as far as listening to stuff goes. Um I listened to the album by Tupperware Remix Party called Lady World. I'm just slowly getting into their catalog. Uh, this was very good. It was not as like fun as the other one I've listened to, which I talked about a couple weeks ago. Um, but it, it was still fairly solid stuff. And then uh, a, I heard a cover of Higher Love on the radio by like a current up-and-coming pop artist the other day. So I wanted to listen to it on its own when I wasn't driving. And I looked on YouTube and I found out there's just a bajillion covers of Higher Love. Like it's one of the most covered pop songs of all time. <laughs> so I've been, lis- I've been listening to nothing but like my normal driving playlists. That album I brought up and a bajillion versions of Higher Love. All right. So, all right. And I mean, it's a pretty good song. Like, it's 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 just a it, it's a nice fun song and I did put the the original very famous version of it in my driving playlist because I think it it makes for good cruising music. That's dope. That's good. Yeah. Uh, but that's all I listened to. Uh, what did you watch? Well, I watched uh, the Good Eats Reloaded episode on chocolate powder. Uh, Cannon chocolate. Buster's episode. Cannon chocolate. Buster's episode. Ah. List off all the shit and then I'll pick something. God damn it. Cannon Busters episode two, uh, Struggle Stevenson's uh, Sound and Fury, uh, JoJo part five, episode 13, and the first episode of Wu-Tang Clan American Saga. Okay, so two things we need to talk about here. First of all, how does an episode specifically on chocolate powder work? Well, it's under the premise of there's two different kinds of chocolate powder. Uh, there's natural process and Dutch process. And basically it's a, here's the difference. Here's why you would use each one for different purposes. And here is a recipe with brownies in it. 
here is a here's how you take chocolate powder and turn it into chocolate syrup for chocolate milk. Hmm. So it's not essentially about a, a dish; it's about an ingredient and how that ingredient can can affect things. Yeah, yeah, and like that's kind of what Good Eats more becomes. As time goes on, it's very much more about like an ingredient or a process and explaining it. Hmm. Okay. Uh, what's this Wu Tang show about? Well, first things first, we need to understand that Wu Tang uh, Clan is for the children, and Wu Tang ain't nothing to fuck with. Fair now enough. that that is out of the now that that is out of the way, uh, basically it is biopic miniseries about the formation of the Wu-Tang Clan. Oh, it's it's one of those. Yeah, the Rhythm of the Jizza, the Old Dirty Bastard, Inspected Deck, Ghostface Killer, Method Man, the whole nine yards. I'm forgetting many people. Raekwon. Uh, shit, because I don't want to fucking forget any of them. They're all dope. Uh, all but basically, people. all the people. And it's showing their life as is at that moment. So Method Man is working at uh, at the gift shop for the Statue of Liberty. Uh, um, everybody's just off doing their own thing. And the story is, so far, I've only seen one episode, is about Larissa uh, going, I want to make music. This is the thing I care about. And his older brother, who's a drug dealer, going like, Bitch, this is how we're making money. I need you to focus on this so we can keep a roof over our heads. Hmm. To the point where, like, uh, the RZA finds a new drum machine that he really wants and goes like, man, this can change everything on how I produce shit. But it's like $2,000. And he goes, to his, he goes to his brother's like, hey, can I get an advance on my, my money? And he's like, how much do you need? It's like, $2,000. And he just goes like, bitch, no, that's too much money. Like, it's ridiculous an amount of money. Understandable on both parties, honestly. Here's the thing, he so desperately wants it, he goes with a backpack empty to the store, and he unplugs the demo model and starts stuffing in his backpack, and he's about to walk out. When the assistant manager for the store, who who you've seen earlier in the episode when he saw it before, the first time, just goes like, hey man, just put it back and I won't tell the manager and you won't get banned here because I know how much you love coming in here. And it's just like, you so bad want him to have the one thing he, he wants. You just see how his life is kind of crap and you just want him to have that one thing and it's just like, no, he's too good of a dude. Yeah. And, and like, and like, the, here's the best way to put it, describe it. It's, it's a music biopic, so it kind of has some of those tropes. But a better way to describe it is, it's a superhero origin. Hmm. Because that's how the Wu Tang Clan have always kind of like, like, talked about the band, the group themselves, like their kung fu order from Shaolin and Shaolin Staten Island. That's their home area. And it's like not in like all this kind of methodology and language. Like Rizza's the producer and the leader, but the Jizza, the Jizza's the spiritual leader, man. And things like things like that. And it's kind of building that superhero mythology around them in a hip hop kind of language. 
Because hmm. you even have like, uh, while they're dropping off money and doing all that kind of shit uh, for his older brother, the RZA stops in a park and plays a game of chess with this old wise man. And like, he's ex- getting wisdom from him kind of thing. And it feels very kind of superhero kung fu movie kind of thing. Neat. Yeah, it's really cool. Uh, and it's being written by the RZA. Oh, wow. So it's it's not like a, a writer came in and watched all the documentaries and interviews the person that did and then came up with a story around that. It's like, no, I am telling our story. And yeah, and he might be uh, hyperbolizing some things to make it feel more interesting, but it feels true. It feels real, especially oh, because true. another member of the Wu-Tang Clan is producing it, Method Man. <laughs> So it's it's very much an in-house project then. Oh yeah. Like they Wu-Tang is very involved with all their little side projects and all that kind of interesting things. It's neat. Very clean. Alright, well uh I'm still on the breaking bad rewatch shit. I'm literally five episodes from the end and El Camino comes out um well, it, it comes out at midnight tonight, but for me, that'll be 2 a.m. because Netflix is in a different time zone for me. So I'm probably going to watch one or two more episodes tonight after we get done with the podcast, and then I'll watch the rest and just go straight into El Camino while I'm editing the podcast. So that'll be fun. And I fucking love the dumb joke I put in your Discord server. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if El Camino is going to be good. Yeah, I did a I did a joke where I was and I tweeted this too. Me, man, what if El Camino sucks and I've been rewatching Breaking Bad over the last few weeks for nothing? Also, me, bitch, shut the fuck up and keep watching. And then Chris came in with me, but in the distance. Wu Tang Clan American Saga is great, my dudes. With a gif of Wu Tang is for the children. Yes. <laughs> uh. And then I watched uh, Transformers Cyberverse Season 2, Episode 5, and Common Rider Zero One One, Episode 6. God damn, there was a lot of fucking numbers in what you just said. I know, it's, uh, it's getting to be a thing. Uh, but yeah, uh, fa- fairly solid television this week, just nothing new and interesting, and I, I need to get back on movies. I need, to, I need to get some movies in my life, aside from the one we talked about for like a half hour or 45 minutes. Yeah, uh, if you want like a quick little forty-minute kind of anthology thing, just quick one and done bite. Why you still have Netflix? Uh, Sound and Fury, Struggle Steven, it's really good. I might look into that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, uh, what you read, Chris? So I finished uh, Powers of Ten issue six, uh, which is the last of this little series before they start the new X Men run. Uh, Please tell me what shit went down. I will, but uh, let me finish the list real quick. I restarted Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, and I did a complete reread of Kanojo ni Naruhi, but now back to X-Men. Yes. Okay, so the best way to put it is Professor X and Magneto go down, see Moira Taggart, who's in like this bio-chamber, so no one can like hurt her and reset the reality timeline thing. Mm-hmm. And she's basically going like, "You guys, I like I know you guys are hopeful, 
but can I like I'm just really pessimistic about this because I've seen this shit fall apart so fucking easily. And like they go like, yeah, no, we understand. We're taking all that into consideration. We're we're being judicious with this shit. Uh, we don't want to fuck this up. And they then go on to explain that, yeah, no, we're we know exactly what we're doing when we're bringing an apocalypse and all these dangerous mutants because they are so dangerous, they are so fanatical that by giving them this element of power, they can keep an eye on them better and the whole population keep an eye on them better and they aren't going to risk losing that power as easily. Hmm. You know? So we give them a little bit so they don't take everything. Yeah. That kind of thing. Um, And through flash forwards and all that kind of stuff, we basically learn what the 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 future humans are and ultimately what the this new not enemy but like idea of an enemy like the sentinels were for the x-men is for the x-men now which is the mutants are the next step in human evolution if we were still going by natural processes but humanity is now getting to the point where we can artificially create our own evolution and thus mutants are now an offshoot and humanity human humans homo sapien can become their own thing by themselves completely negating the evolutionary foreplace for the mutants so not so much fuck them in humans but more fuck them oh god what what's the name it's gonna come to me. Fuck them celestials. Kinda. And like they do a bunch of shit and it's really interesting and they set up a lot of cool things. And it's gonna be dope. It's gonna be fucking dope. Alright. Bangarang, I'm looking forward to it. Uh I did a bit of a check-in with what's going on in the Bendis Superman uh, stuff. I read Superman number 14 and Supergirl numbers 33 and 34. Uh, read Gwenpool Strikes Back number one. And then I read the second Hunger Games book, Catching Fire. Nice. Yeah. I, I saw like a couple panels from Gwenpool where she's like talking with Deadpool and she gets like the sales number and goes like, "You liked me better when I was evil." Yeah, that's an issue too. I think. Yeah, but, uh, it was posted uh, on the internet. That's what I saw. So. Yeah, that's that's kind of why I went after it too. Was I saw a bunch of panels and also people really flipped out on the book because there's a moment where she like the plot of this issue is that she's robbing a bank to get Spider-Man's attention because she's realized she can't sustain her own solo series if she doesn't get superpowers. Um, like, this is a mini, and she wants an ongoing. So she's like... she she. It's weird because she's supposed to be a huge comic fan and have all this knowledge, but also she's trying to get Spider-Man to bite her because she thinks then she'll get powers. Like... He got powers from a spider bite, so I'll get powers from that. And they try to explain it like he's like, no, that's not how that works. And she goes, well, your fluids are supposed to be radioactive. Like, you kill in an alternate continuity, you killed Mary Jane with your sperm, so I was hoping your saliva would give me superpowers. 
It's like, I mean, that's on a level like, that makes sense. For a joke, it makes sense. Yeah, it's like that's a stretch, but I'll allow it. Um, and people flipped out because while she's doing that, there's a moment where she's running a Geiger counter over Peter to prove that he's still radioactive. And she, like, stops at his crotch in one panel and makes a joke about, the like, how big you can see his dick is for the spandex. And people flipped out. They were like, ah, Gwenpool comic features sexual assault. And it's like, no. I, like, I went and checked it out for myself now, and no. Like, it's one panel, and Peter doesn't even seem all that perturbed about it. He's just, like, rolling his eyes like this stupid kid. Yeah, no, like, Deadpool has said jokes like that a million times more. Yeah. Um, but it, it was a fairly solid start. I'll probably read the rest in trade, but, uh, you know. Um, Do you want to kill Gwynpool like that? Come on. Marvel only cares about individual sales. <laughs> well, I mean, like, She's kind of been on the ropes for a while because her, her her original ongoing ended, and it did actually end. It was it was the writer saying like, um, "Yeah, I'm kind of at the end of my rope of ideas for this." Marvel, do you want to get another guy on here? And they were like, "No, let's just end it here. Let's just play it off for a little bit." And then she was in West Coast Avengers, but that book sold really poorly, even though I loved it, and it got canceled. And now she's got this mini which I think is either going to set her up doing another thing or it's just going to be like, we'll get Gwenpool minis and one-shots for a bit. Kind of like we had shit tons of those with Deadpool in the early 2010s. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I liked it. That's good. Did you, uh, you... What did you do in Gundam this week, Chris? Uh, new events happening. I, I love that you finally learned this lesson. Yeah. Uh, new events happening. I just got all the Gundam parts for that. So now I'm just farming uh, coins to get more different parts. But I've still been playing Castlevania, and that's been fun. Nice. Um, yeah, I beat the water boss, and now I can go through water. I'm only playing like 30 to 40 minutes a day. So I'm not busting through it but like i'm getting through it at an okay pace well i mean that's my preferred pace for games anyways is like i like games with not short short but short ish levels so i can just play like a level a day or a level every couple of days yeah. the thing um, is that the castle this castlevania game doesn't have levels it's just one giant level oh it's that kind of shit yeah it's like metroid yeah. Um, well, uh, I, I still haven't gotten back on the video games. I actually got quite, kind of mad at myself last night because I did the thing where I was bored and I didn't want to go to bed yet, so I spent two hours watching a few videos. And immediately after that, I was like, I could have I I booted up Steam and played something for an hour. Why didn't I do that? I haven't played video games in three weeks now. What's wrong with me? But... Uh, I have been uh, messing around with some new figures. Uh, like I talked about last week, uh, I went into my local toy store and just the day before, like I went in meaning to get money by selling stuff, but then just the day before somebody had come in and like basically dumped their entire Unicron trilogy collection on the store. So I just spent all my store credit and then like an extra $40 on stuff. 
uh, mainly stuff I got when I was a kid, but a few things I've been wanting since I was a kid. And I'll start off with the first non with I'll start off with the only non-Transformer thing. I got the Justice League Unlimited Green Arrow figure. Nice. Yep, because um, I've talked about before, Unlimited was basically my introduction into DC and superheroes in general, so I've been wanting to collect that line for quite a while, but I've, I've, uh, I've only had the Supergirl for a very long time, so this was just like a nice little shove into, we're going to start making a little progress on that every once in a while. The and buy then, the rest of the shit. Yep. Uh, and then I got uh, several Unicron trilogy figures. I'll go with the one we're probably both the most familiar with. I got Transformers Energon Toe Line. Neat. Mm-hmm. Uh, not much to say on him that few hasn't already said in his brilliant video. Everybody go watch it. Um, except that due to the transformation, he has opening doors, but they open Goldwing style. And I think that's nice. awesome for a van like that. Damn, yeah. now I want to see a fucking, like, legit panel van with Goldwing middle doors. Mm -hmm. That'd be uh, so fucking dumb. <laughs> it would be wonderful. <laughs> uh, and then uh, Transformers Armada Smokescreen with Minicon Forklift and Red Alert with Minicon Longarm. Who... Really, really impressed me. Like, not he had a great into, audition. Yeah, not to go into like a full-on review, but like, I if you want this, that, you can always go to the Vacuinators channel and watch his toy reviews. Wink. Yes, yes, yes. But basically, like, people, I always hear people talk about like how crap Energon is or Armada is because everything's super hampered by the gimmicks. But honestly, I see it as like. No, these toys are super ambitious because of the gimmicks, and they have their own, like, doofy charm that isn't in any other Transformers line. Like, I've heard people, I've heard so many people bash on Smokescreen. Like, he's, he's this legendary, awful little thing that dedicates, that can't stand because he has a giant shoulder cannon, and I'm like... Yeah, but the design of the vehicle mode is so interesting and unique, and... Like, he's adorable in robot mode because he's a freaking troll of a thing, and the way the shoulder cannon deploys is awesome. I don't and see of course how you could not like it. And of course, there's always our fucked up shoulder baby uh, hotshot. Yeah, and I mean, like, uh, it's another Transformer with... It's another orange construction-type Transformer with a working winch. This is basically the precursor to Energon uh, Landmine. So, how was I not going to love him? <laughs> uh, but yeah, a uh, pretty decent haul this week, and uh, I believe that's going to do it for us. So, hey, Chris, um, do you do stuff on the internet? Could you tell us about that? My name is Chris Gaston, also known as Boingo Rider. <laughs> Should I just go full Let's Play? Coming back to you again with a brand new talking about what my content is, I make video editorials. This is wonderful. <laughs> Keep going. Hold on. Let me format my brain so I can do it better. Ugh. That's staying in. <laughs> 
I talk about anime and tokusatsu. What's that? Power Rangers? Yes, technically, but more shit. You want to see that kind of shit? Find me on YouTube at Boingo Rider. You want to follow me on Instagram? Too bad. Nope, actually, I got an account. It's Boingo underscore Rider. Remember the underscore? I just did a finger gun to my microphone. <laughs> If you want to hang out with me and slap me some fucking skin, join my Discord server. A link to that is in the description. A little bit of the bubbly. Okay, before I before I go on and do my stuff, I just gotta say promo of the night. <laughs> Hi everybody, I'm the Vacuuminator. I make video reviews of toys from the mid two thousands and physical media releases. I've been off my bullshit for a little bit due to personal stuff, but I'll probably be coming back in the next week or so. So go ahead and subscribe to me for that good-ass, casual, I-like-stuff content. And follow me on Twitter, at the TheBackHumanator, for me saying stupid bullshit whenever I feel like it. And follow me on Instagram, at the TheBackHumanator, for me posting pictures of stupid bullshit whenever I feel like it. Um, and, uh, hey, if you want more bullshit that can be stupid why don't you go ahead and subscribe to this channel and listen to more episodes as they come out ring that bell so you can get notifications and all that and um if you want to listen to the show on the go and you don't got that youtube premium thing going link in the description google drive folder with mp3s link also looking for zelda you're welcome um, and hey, we've got the social media stuff going on for Modular 2. You can follow that and get updates on stuff as it's you can get updates on stuff as it's happening. It's at the Modular Media on Twitter and r slash Modular Media on Reddit. And that's it. That's all there is, folks. We will see you next time when we'll be discussing the set of albums that are Elvis Presley with the Royal Philharmonic Extra. Or with the Royal Philharmonic, shut up. With the Royal no. Philharmonic, you mess up saying orchestra, bitch. Bye. <laughs>